All right, Fitness Retention Podcast. Welcome back yet again. We've got an awesome episode today. We've got Lindsay Liu, the Regional Sales and Operations Manager at Orange Theory Fitness in the greater Toronto area. A couple cool things we talked about. Um, I really enjoyed the kind of the prospecting conversation and some of the metrics around that specifically that she's used in big box gyms and also in boutique studios. We also talked about the best way to onboard new members or potential new members and just general ways to enhance the member experience that Orange Theory does extremely well. Um, I also just really loved Lindsay's enthusiasm and her passion for the industry. And and one of the cool things that I think a lot of people listening will be interested in is how to handle managing a territory when that territory or the the number of franchisees within that territory is growing. Um, And the best way to kind of tackle that challenge and opportunity. If you would like to talk about retention in your business or customer experience in your business or customer success, however you want to classify it, shoot me an email at A-G-Y-M-O-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. That's A-G-Y-M-O-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. All right, here we go with Lindsay Liu. The Fitness Retention Podcast would like to welcome Lindsay Liu to the podcast. Lindsay, what's up? Hey, Alex. How are you? me. Yeah, of course. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I just realized that both of our names almost sound like they could be like cartoon character names. (laughs) Yeah, they totally could. I also go by uh, Lucy Liu sometimes, so there you go. Oh, there we go. Yeah. all right, so that awkward intro aside, um, Lindsay, for the people that may not know you, can you give a little bit of an intro to um, how you got to where you are currently at Orange Theory and just like a little bit about your journey, why you're in the fitness industry, what difference you want to make, kind of the, the whole shebang? Yeah, so I have been uh, so fortunate in working in the fitness industry for uh, for now going on uh it's going to be coming up to 15 years. And so I worked in a big box for, um, for about a little over a decade. And then I transitioned over to boutique. And, um, so I ended up uh, working with this company as a regional and operations manager, orange theory fitness, which you're familiar with, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we're heart rate based interval training, uh, proven to burn, uh, more calories post-workout. So uh, it's a it's a really cool brand. I've been with them for over a year, and um, my role is essentially working with studio studio managers, leaders in the company, coaching and training, and uh, providing support when it comes to implementing systems. Hmm. Okay. So, can we talk a little bit about like a, the start of your career, and then kind of how you ascended, and eventually that experience, and how that led to Orange Theory? Yeah. So, um, can I ask you some questions? Totally. Why did you get started in the fitness industry? Like, why is it important to you? So I ended up, um, 15 years ago, I ended up walking into a studio and I just, um, a club mm-hmm. and had this intention to join. And I, and I met this individual and I said, like, you have the coolest job ever where you're a tour guide in, in a, in a gym setting. So 
um, that sort of sparked my interest in wanting to work in the fitness industry. And so um, I, I've always had a love for working with people. And so I really wanted to, um, at a young age, get into, get, get into it at some capacity. So um, I started in sales and then um, within a really short period of time, I moved into a management role and that sort of progressed my career. And so um, I've been gifted some really fantastic opportunities along the way and that led me to Orange Theory Fitness. What do you think? What do you think the sales role taught you about management, if anything? Like, what parallels can you draw between those two? I think that um, listen, just like any in, in leadership, it's, it's critical that you are you're able to live into every single position when it comes to the fitness industry, especially in um, if you're a studio manager, a general manager, an owner of a franchise, a location, whatever it is, but. Um, the big thing was really identifying what the foundation is in terms of our business and um, being able to build really fantastic connections and being able to um, understand what um, all the positions go through at entry level for, for sales associate or coaches or trainers. And so um, the benefit is that I've really been through every single position in the fitness industry. And I think that's, it's led me to have a really good understanding of the roles and um, and obviously be a better, better leader in that aspect. So when we're looking at like kind of the different positions that, that you've had, um, what do you think are the skills that got you elevated or promoted kind of throughout your career? Like what are kind of the things that people that are listening to this show that maybe aren't in a management position or maybe managers can try to help their front facing or like customer facing staff mm -hmm. that need to be developed in order to get to that next level and kind of like identify and build leaders within a company. Yeah, that's great, Alex. I think, I think the first thing that I, I want to go to is that you have to, if you're interested in moving up and being a leader in any sort of organization, but especially in the fitness industry, it's critical that you have a really good foundation of understanding what relationships look like. So um, you have to do that at a level of a sales associate, but then you have to be able to, um, your skill your skill set has to develop as you move through the, the chain for a studio manager to regional to owner of a, of a business. But I think that's the most important piece is you have to be really fantastic when it comes to your relationship building and you know a big thing that we're gonna we you talk about is just the connections and the culture and you don't get to have that unless you've done a great job when it comes to relationship building another piece that i like to talk about is um in in leadership is that i think that every single leader in in the company has to be able to have something um which is managerial courage and i think that it's being able to have um, sometimes tougher conversations, but it allows us to be able to have our teams and um, it allows us to be able to um, have stronger teams and people that um, really rise up to their potential. Hmm. So what does relationship building mean to you? Yeah, so, um, so in, in relationship building, I think that is just being able to um, to build really fantastic connections. I think one of the cool things about, um, boutique, um, the boutique lifestyle is that, um, we get to build, um, really solid connections every single day. So you're walking into a boutique setting and you have 500, 800 members. And so, 
um, you get to know people on a really personal level. It's not just, you know, walking into a studio and you're like, hey, um, you know, hey, Jody, how's your day going? But I actually know Jody on a super, I would hope that you would know your members on a super personal level through um, really like these organic conversations. And so um, that's what relationship building is to me. It's really um, knowing people on a very natural level. Mm -hmm. And so at what point, because you have worked in a, like a variety of business models, at what point does managing those relationships become really challenging? Because with 500 members, let's say, and you have 10 staff people, each staff person can potentially like quote unquote manage uh, 50 relationships, right? Like we can all remember 50 people's names. But at a big box gym, when maybe you have 10 customer facing staff members and you have 5,000 members, that becomes a lot more difficult. So what, what have you done or what have you seen that is successful to kind of scale that relationship building process? Or what does that look like in your opinion? Yeah. Because uh, it's a totally different model, right? Like it, it, low touch. It is. And so I've, I've had um, I have studios that have um, currently that have um, a little over 800, but then, then I've worked in, um, you know, clubs that had um, a little under around like 6,000 members. So I think that there's so many, the first thing I want to say, Alex, is there's so many similarities. I think even when you think about big box and boutique, you have to do a really great job at still, if you have 5,000 members, you still need to um, commit to getting to know all of your 5,000 members. Mm -hmm. I think that it's obviously having 800 um, in terms of your memory might be a little easier, um, but I think that it has to be similar across the board in terms of your commitment to getting to know them. Mm -hmm. um, obviously with 5,000, it's going to be a little tougher. So I think, I think you just have to, um, in big box, you really have to commit to if your team is larger. So if you have a team in a studio at that capacity with 5,000, 8,000 members, you're going to have a much larger team. So you have to really commit to um, your trainers and your team members having their personal relationships in the club. Yeah. And I think you kind of have to like to piggyback off your point. I think they are very similar and people often, often think like, Oh, the, my gym with 250 people is so wildly different than this gym with 5,000 people. And like, ultimately if your product sucks and your people suck, it doesn't matter how many people you have because they're not going to come back, right? So, like, yeah. there are fundamentals that you need to absolutely nail. So, when you're, I mean, like, you also, I think, just to go off on a little bit of a rant, you kind of need, like, a, a system where you can empower people to own the relationships. You know, like, you, yes. you say, like, I'm Lindsay, I'm going to know all 5,000 members because that's just not realistic. You might say, I'm Lindsay, totally. I know the 200 people here that spend the most money or, you know, whatever your high value customers are or the people that are in the most often, whatever. But then you have to be able to say like, hey, Ryan, you're a personal trainer. You train 50 clients. They know three people at the gym each. Like, I'm going to let you manage those mm -hmm. 50 relationships. Yep. And I think also like vocalizing that to your team is really important because sometimes the team may not know that or they may not have the experience to like, justify that knowledge for sure hmm. and 
And to talk a little more about what you were saying is that whether you're in big box or you're in um, boutique, one thing that I think that um, we've done a really great job with with Orange Theory Fitness is it's critical that we continue to have um, our priority when we're when we're with our members is our members. Mm -hmm. So in you just always got to make sure that you are consistently on the floor and that applies to boutique and big box is that you need to make sure that your time, you're going to have all of your different systems that you're operating, but you've got to commit to times where you're on the floor with your members mm -hmm. and um, you've committed to that, um, I guess you could call it like on the floor time, a member mingle time, um, mm -hmm. but it has to be a big part of your day. Yeah. What, what percentage would you say the average Orange Theory employee is spending with members every day? Like what percentage of their time? It's their full day. It's, it's, it's really, and so um, with our, the really cool thing about our, our, um, our company, because it's so results focused, is that um, it's um, our members, so let's say sales associates, so they're operating from the front, and so as clients are coming in and they're doing their, um, their, their essentially like their class check-ins, so they're coming in, they're getting set up on their heart rate monitors, um, so that whole experience that we have with our clients is, is, um, it's with our clients through that whole experience. So, um, they're within boutique, you're on the floor with them throughout the day. And I think that just like ties into, um, why it just lives into that community and culture focus. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I actually wanted to mention on this podcast, and I'm glad you mentioned the, like the sales associate position, um, was, I've been to 75 gyms in the last calendar year, which like, it's not a ton, but it's a good amount. And Orange Theory, I'll say, is like top two or three in terms of making me feel comfortable and welcome. Like first impressions. So good. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I don't like saying like the best because the best is subjective, but it was really, really good. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about like kind of the onboarding or the first impression, or actually I want you to talk about onboarding and first impression because people get to hear me all the time. So what is that onboarding or first impression um, process like at Orange Theory? And then what kind of like long-term results do you think that helps create? So, um, so the, the onboarding process um, is all about our, our results of, of what we do because we're all about brand and, and um, quality of our brand. And so when anyone is coming in, the first thing that we do is we want them to experience, just like yourself, you came in, you tried it out. So we want you to experience what, um, what the brand is. So you're going to come in, you're going to sit down with the team member, um, and then we're going to get you oriented into um, your, first, your first session. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really critical is that we have every single person come in for a complimentary workout. If you haven't checked us out, you definitely have to, but I uh, come in for your complimentary workout and you're going to go through this full experience where you sit down with a team member, you um, have an orientation prior to doing your first session and then you go in for your first session. And so um, it's really cool because when you're in the, um, the class setting, um, that's where you really get to see um, where the results tie in because everything's done on um, a board with um, training zones and you get to see your results live. So um, the, the big thing um, is that orientation is that class session. And then at the end, you're going to be connecting with uh, a team member to, uh, to recap your results. And then um, it's, a really, it's a really neat experience, but um, it's very focused on 
um, them coming in and just trialing out um, the workout and seeing how it works in with their fitness goals. Yeah, and I mean, like the to exactly what you said. One of the things that I was really impressed with is that it wasn't a sales pitch. So much of touring gyms ends up with this. You know, you're you sit in front of the membership representative at a desk, and they basically pitch you prices or membership packages, and then they ask you to sign up, which is fine. But a lot of the times, you haven't even used the product yet, so it's challenging to say, "I know I want to commit to unlimited," or "I know I want to commit to whatever" before you've even used it. Versus at Orange Theory, and I'm sure you know this, and this is obviously by design. We spent like. 15 minutes just talking about me and my normal fitness routine and like what I was looking to get out of the class. And so as a consumer, I'm thinking this company is invested in me being successful, not only in this hour, but also with my health long term, not this company wants to take my money right away. So I think there's a real crucial difference. And like, I'm fortunate I don't have to join a gym because I have access to a lot of them. But for someone who wants to join a gym or wants to join a club or a studio or whatever, I imagine that sales pitch, quote unquote, is a lot more compelling than someone just saying, here's our club, how much money do you want to give us every month? Like there's, there seems to be a pretty big difference. Totally. And I, and I, and I want to share that it's um, because it's not meant to be a, um, it's not meant to be a pitch. I think the big thing, and you hear that a lot in the, in the fitness industry, it really is about um, when you're coming in and trialing out a workout with us, the goal is, is that we, um, it's just about brand awareness. So we want you to experience what it is, what the workout is, and see how that ties into your, um, see how it ties into your, um, your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because before I even, so before I even went over to, transitioned over to Orange Theory Fitness, mm-hmm. So one thing I did, Alex, is I ended up going to a region and with Orange Theory Fitness and I, and I secret shopped um, all their locations. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to get a good sense before uh, going over to the company was what are their sales systems like? What is the experience like? Um, you know, what type of team members do they bring on? Um, I really wanted to get a good sense of how that looked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really cool because I went in for my first workout and then at the end of the workout, um, First off, the workout was so tough, it was hard. And then after the workout, uh, the coach turns around, and he says, I really want everyone to celebrate Lindsay um, on her first class. Yes. And the whole room is like clapping and celebrating. And that was my very first experience with Orange Theory. And it just really did, um, it, was so, it was such a neat experience. Yeah. And- you know, there are probably five or 10 other things that I could say Orange Theory did really well in terms of a first impression. Um, I think probably most people listening to the show have been to an Orange Theory, um, but I'll just call out a few. They they took a picture with the coach, the first timers in the class, and the sales associate in front of the logo, um, or like kind of like the big billboard logo of Orange Theory inside the gym. And they also emailed me my stats for the class and like a, hey, thank you for coming, like a nice personalized email. And so I'm sure as someone who works on like sales systems, you're thinking like, check, 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 check. Like that's all <laughs> pretty buttoned up, well thought out and very welcoming. Um, so what about maybe the sales process is 
not visible or what is kind of like something that you think is really special about Orange Theory um, in terms of the process that maybe you haven't seen at other gyms? I, uh, I think that a big, yeah, it is, it's a tough question, Alex. Yeah, it is tough. Um, but I think that a big thing is the, it's the results piece. And I always go back to it because, um, the difference is, is that we are giving people a workout that, that, um, it's results focused. So when I go into my workout, I know that I'm going to, I'm going to burn 600 calories. And then the afterburn, I'm still, I'm still sitting there burning, which is amazing. And so, um, that's the difference is where when you're essentially going into a workout, um, you're going in, you're having the benefit of having a coach and having a trainer mm -hmm. and you get to, um, you're paying a lower cost because you get to share the cost with your teammates, yep. um, but you're still getting the same quality. So I think the big thing just ties into the results of, um, you know, when you have heart rate monitors and you get to see your results in real time, that makes such a big difference. And I think it's what's so special about what we do. Hmm. So can we talk a little bit about your territory in, in your region and the growth over, let's say, like starting in Toronto and, and where you are now? Yeah. So, uh, so I'll start with, um, so I work in, um, I work in the Toronto area. Um, but I want to start with where we are as a company. So we have, uh, so we have in Canada, we have 87 locations in Canada. Mm -hmm. We were, uh, we're under 1,200 locations and um, we're in 21, um, over 21 countries, which is super cool. And um, we have over 20 locations in the GTA. So um, we've just grown so, so quickly. And I think that people don't realize we've never closed a studio. Mm -hmm. And so it's so cool to be a part of this growing brand that has um, this really fantastic reputation. And when you say GTA, that's Greater Toronto Area, right? Not anything else? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Sorry. Yes. That's all good. Um, okay. And, and when we're looking at, at your territory, um, what would you attribute that growth to? Well, so there's how many studios in the Greater Toronto Area, you said? Like 20-something? So we have a little over 20 locations, and um, there's different – there's different regions because there's different um, franchise owners. And so when, when you're looking at like maybe uh, underperforming, we'll say quote unquote underperforming, because I know you just mentioned that not, none of the locations have closed. When you're looking at an underperforming franchise versus an overperforming franchise, what are some of the big differences between the two? And can you, like, what can you attribute to those differences? So, uh, there is, um, yeah, I think, I think just, just like anyone would, would, um, you know, yourself or listening to the podcast, it always stems from like your foundation is your culture. You have to have a really solid foundation and culture in the studio, which is, we've talked about connections and relationships, um, for studios that are, um, not only in Orange Theory Fitness, but, um, studios that, uh, we continue to see really great growth in mm -hmm. is do a really great job when it comes to um, lead generation. Um, and that's a big part to it. And so I always break it down to two separate things. So you have lead generation outside of studio. So um, you have uh, your brand awareness, outreach, um, fresh friends, we call it. 
Um, or you also have um, the other one where you have your internal lead generation through uh, referral members, um, point of sale referrals, mm -hmm. and so locations that generally do really well um, continue to do a great job when it comes to driving lead generation in their studios. Mm -hmm. So the other side of, of lead generation in a, like a recurring revenue business is retention. So obviously that's what this show is about. Um, what does retention mean to you? And then can you talk a little bit about retention at Orange Theory from a member perspective? Like what is Orange Theory doing differently that is especially impactful in the retention of members? The, uh, the retention piece, um, retention means that we are providing our members with um, a product that they, um, they can live into their life with. And I think that's where our members, they see the results, they stay members because um, they see, they are seeing results. Um, I think that two other things that we do a really great job with is um, we have this commitment level to our members that the decisions that we make, and I think this is really critical, is that in in the fitness industry, we have to make commitment to our members that we make decisions. We always make a decision with our member at the table with us. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I mean by that is that um, when you implement a system or make a change, it's, we have to figure out, is this in the best interest of our current members? Mm -hmm. um, the big piece to it. Um, and then that connection piece is, is critical as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that, I mean, I've talked about that a little bit before on the podcast. That's like the to the member or for the member kind of like the policy review where yeah. you're doing things to them or you're doing things for them. And it's really hard to come up with um, policies that are both. And that's where you kind of create like this huge winning business is when it serves the business, but it also serves the customer. So tiny interruption here. I had an Amazon package delivered and the doorbell rang. So we are just going to resume from here. So we were talking about the results focus and, and how that is mutually beneficial. It's good for the customer. It's also good for the business because if customers can achieve success in your business, they're going to stay with you and they're going to buy more. Like that's kind of the general customer success mindset is like they have to be able to achieve what they want to achieve in your business. So my question from that is when you guys are doing like an intake or talking to a new member, what are some of the things that right away they say like, I'm at Orange Theory because I want to do blank? I think that, uh, everyone's going to have a different, a different fitness goal. It's not, I, um, I think that majority of people are going to walk into any fitness um, studio or club or whatever it is and they all have generally it's associated to like weight loss or I want to have more energy. So um, they're just going to share their, um, their fitness goal. And I think it's really critical that as a team member, they just find out what the specific goal is for them. Mm -hmm. And, and they also figure out like what that emotional connection is and why it's so important for them to, to, you know, lose that weight or gain that energy because nowadays it's not just about it's not just about people um, losing weight. It's about how they feel. Like we really want to create, we're a brand that we want to create opportunities for people to just be happier and healthier. Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's something that I'm uh, huge on is just being active to be happy. Yeah. And I'm, and I know you may have listened to an, a couple of my other podcasts, um, but I'm really glad that you use the word emotion. Um, 
because I think that it's, it's kind of what the backbone of my business is, is it's like connecting the emotion to the, the buying experience. So everybody makes purchasing decisions and the larger the purchase, it's often associated with a strong emotion, right? Like a wedding thing is an emotional purchase and you have to think about how this ring makes you feel. And so I think the same thing happens with every business. Like every time a customer purchases, there's an emotional component. And in a recurring revenue business, that moment is every month because if they have negative emotions about your business, they're not going to, they're not going to pay you again. Right? Like, and I think that that, that you talking about and you mentioning that that's one of the first things that you said speaks volumes about like just the dedication to the actual customer versus the de dedication to the business. And I think that that's really cool that you just mentioned that. So I just wanted to give you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate that. Talks about that. And that's like, I think something that might be missing in, in the industry. Um, Okay, so I want to get to some of the bigger questions here. We've warmed up enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, what is something that every fitness business can do starting tomorrow to save time? To save time, I think it is critical that we continue our focus when it comes to coaching and training of our team members and our leaders in the industry um, and I think that uh, we have to figure out what that looks like. And so we have to look for opportunities to train and coach. And I have three things that I would suggest. I think that it's, it's important that we do secret shops on a regular basis to be able to provide feedback. Mm. Um, that we need to um, do evaluations three months, six months out, a year out to provide feedback on how they're doing along their career. And I also think that... Um, it's really important that we do, um, we do a great job when it comes to the 360 reviews and it's important that we get feedback, but we also have feedback that are coming from our teams. And so that's a huge one with growth of your leaders. Um, so the training and the coaching has to always be um, such a high priority. Yeah. So the 360 review, is that kind of like the... It, is that the actual terminology? Because I know there's like a process or a company that does 360 reviews. Can we talk more about that? Yeah, so um, so any sort of um, review similar to that would give um, a leader an opportunity to get an evaluation through uh, their colleagues, their subordinates, and their, their directors, so um, their direct report. And um, it just gives a really good... Um, it gives the individual like some, some fantastic raw feedback to be able to just move forward in their career. Hmm. What's a piece of raw feedback that you've gotten that, that made you think like, oh yeah, this is something I could really develop or work on? Uh, sure. Um, so I think a piece of raw feedback that I have received is um, sometimes maybe being hard on somebody. And so if I get feedback to say like, Lindsay was really tough and really critical, um, I've had that feedback. And I think that we have to have expectations, but we also have to remember that um, it's how our expectation is delivered. And so I've had that feedback before and I've had to readjust the way that 
I, I deliver information and that was huge. That was huge for me to be able to move up in my career. So you're really harsh, basically. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. But I definitely think that was feedback that I took in. So one of the uh, one of my favorite tools or questions when I'm dealing with other people, one of the questions that I like to ask them is how do you like to receive feedback? Um, and that was actually from another previous podcast guest. And it's something that I've started doing and asking people is like, two people are going to interpret the same message a totally different way. Right? Yes, for sure. It's just such a critical thing for me and I know for a lot of people to be able to give feedback in the right way so that the sender, or sorry, so that the receiver can actually interpret it and say mm -hmm. like, okay, because they know that I like to receive the feedback this way, they're doing their best job to message it in a way where I'm actually going to internalize it and work on it versus like it just being like, seeming like this guy's a dick, you know, like. Yeah. Just, yeah. Totally. Interesting. That's cool. Um, okay. So oh, go ahead. Yeah. And I'll say too, um, Alex, like it's so important that as leaders, like we have to have this raw and we really have to make sure that we are always so, um, the self-awareness piece is, is critical. Hmm. So we, um, I think as leaders, like we have to invest a ton of time into that awareness piece and really understanding, um, what our perception is and how we're coming across. And that's, um, for me, that's been a big shift in uh, my own, the way my own style of leading. Nothing, uh, nothing to bring a little self-awareness like a peer review. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, okay, Lindsay, what's something that every fitness business can do starting tomorrow to have the long-term effect of making more money? To make... Uh, to make more money, I would say that our revenue is members. Mm -hmm. And so um, I know it's a general, it's a general statement, um, but we have to remember that if you want to make more money, your focus has to always be, it has to always be your, your members. And so um, that's where, um, again, we talk about when you make decisions, it's about, it's about your member base, but um, we always just have to be mindful of that. Hmm. And that's, uh, that's the big piece is just your revenue is your members. Can you give me an example of maybe one of the franchises that is, is in your territory where you have gone from something that was maybe being done to the members to being done for the members and the effect that that had on revenue growth or membership growth or however you want to characterize it? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, okay, one thing, I'll just um, tie it back into the last question that you asked and uh, to the members or for the members. I think a big thing that, um, a big thing that we can do to grow our business, but we can do for our member base is when we do, um, and I'm gonna tie it into lead generation again. So when we do lead generation, um, when we do a great job, it's because we're doing lead generation outside the studio and we're focused on brand awareness and we're focused on being able to educate people on what we're doing in the community mm -hmm. and we're talking about the brand. And um, our focus is that. I think what ends up happening, which sometimes hurts us, is that we go out with the intention of just generating a lead. Mm -hmm. So that hurts us because then it's not about the brand awareness, it's about getting a name and a number. And so we've lose that connection and you know the emotional connection that you talk a lot about Alex 
Um, so I think um, that's the one thing that I could sort of touch on a bit. Hmm. And have you, have you made that change? Like when you're going out in the community and, and you're maybe highlighting the great things that you do, or have you made a change to shift away from kind of just this like pure like salesy lead generation to more of like a, I don't know, like, like how would you characterize what you, what you just said? Is that like, I know you said awareness, but, but what else is it besides awareness? It is, well, that's, that has to be the intention of it. So when you're going out, the intention has to be, I want to educate people on this brand and tell them about how great it is. And um, you still have to, the goal is you still have to come back with immediate leads. You definitely need people to call in your company. Um, It's not about just getting a name and number. And I think that's where what's going to happen is you're going to have more um, organic conversations and you're going to connect to the people that are really interested in coming into um, your studio or your club um, because there's genuine interest rather than your team or yourself going out and just collecting a name and a number just for the sake of going through the motion. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, again, I go back to when you're out in the communities for something like Orange Theory Fitness, I want people to talk about um, how great the brand is and the wearables and, you know, what it looks like when you're coming into a class mm-hmm. versus just so fixed on who is this person and let me get their information. Mm-hmm. Um, different like approach that you take. Yeah. It's um, I find it cool that you talk about that. And essentially what you're doing is like trying to not have your team do like bogus activity where they're just dialing a number to make a dial. Right. Um, that's something that I learned in tech sales was like the best reps or the best sales reps made like one third the calls of all the other people, but they spent so much time developing those relationships and like commenting on their stuff on LinkedIn or, you know, like following them on Twitter or Instagram and like actually being present in this per- person's life rather than just like dialing them an email mm. and make kind of like bothering them to come in. It was like this genuine interest and those people had so many more quality leads that their closing ratios were insane. And I think like ultimately it's a numbers game. Like lead gen is a numbers game, but about the quality of the people that for you, you're bringing into the studios. Like I'd rather bring in 10 people that have a 50% chance of becoming a member than 50, than 50 people that have a 1% chance of becoming a member. Yep. Huh. I like that you do like go out in the community and just like build brand awareness. I don't think enough gyms do that or enough companies do that. Huh. Did you ever do do that at a big box gym? Yes. And what were the results? They were, they were good. Um, Yeah, they were good. I think that you have to do it in big box and boutique, if you have the intention to drive that, um, those leads in, you need to have fresh friends. Um, I will share um, a piece of information where um, the efficiency, so generally if you're out doing lead generation, mm-hmm. um, in the um, big box community, it's around generally for 20, 20 leads that you get will equal into one new member. Hmm. So internal in um, big box community, you're going to find that it's internal. It's going to be about 10 leads to one new member. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, it doesn't mean that outreach is not um, important. It just means that um, we have to have a really good balance between the two. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
and you'll find in boutique that the numbers um, are a little a little lower. So it just changes a bit. I would hope they're much lower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Lindsay, what's a what's a good book that you've read recently that had a big impact on you? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so the book that um, I'm reading right now is oh my goodness, I have my books laid out in front of me, but um, it's the the five this one right here, huh. the five a.m. club. Okay. Um, so this is a really cool book. Um, I like it because it just sort of. Um, it has some really fantastic options for just managing time management, um, being a better, um, better leader overall. So, um, yeah, it's a really cool book. Um, I'm definitely going to plug the fact that, um, another book that you have to read if you haven't is, um, the book for orange theory fitness. It's our push book by our, our owner. Um, Ellen. so that really shares the story of, of orange theory fitness and, um, and all the details about it. In the 5 a.m. club book, is it advocating waking up at 5 every day? It does, yeah. Okay, and what's your experience with that, Ben? I am, I am, still, um, I am still working on um, joining the club. Okay. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I'm working on it. Oh, that's funny. And so as you, um, some days I'm a part of the club, some days I'm not. I think that... Um, when you wake up early, it just gives you extra amount of time to sort of reset and give yourself time for, uh, for yourself. And what's your, like, what was your normal wake up time before reading this book? Oh, that's good. Uh, the, um, so normally I wake up around 630, mm -hmm. 6, 630. So, um, it's a bit of a, a bit of a difference. What's the earliest you've woken up with reading this book? Uh, 4:45. So, um, just a little earlier. And the fun thing is, if you haven't read the, if you have read the book or you haven't read the book, a big part is um, being active and how it's critical for that to be a part of your lifestyle. And um, it can be, it should be a part of your morning routine. If not, just plugging it at some point in your day. Mm -hmm. That because movement um, keeps us sharp. And so, yeah, it's great. Interesting. That's 4.45 is, is pretty early. It's early for sure. <laughs> I, uh, I do this thing where I try to wake up 10 minutes earlier every year, um, which is like a really easy way to get into the like five o'clock hour. But I don't know how you went like from 6.30 to 4.45. That's a pretty, that's a life change for sure. What I do you have to say the full transparency is I'm, I'm working on being part of a club. So again, someday, someday, someday is not so much. So I'm a, I sleep on the weekends. That's what I say. <laughs> nice. There you go. It's all about balance, right? Yeah. Well, I think they say that's not good for you, but whatever. It's okay. It works. That's okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Lindsay, we'll wrap up. How can people find you learn more about what you're doing? Orange Theory Fitness is doing kind of give us like your, your summary of how people can get in contact with you. Yeah. I, uh, so on my social media platform, so, um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Lindsay, L Y N D S A Y Lou L E W. Um, uh, definitely if you want to come and check out, uh, one of the studios, let me know, um, come and do a workout with me. That'd be fantastic. And, um, and I would love to tell you more about the, uh, the company. Especially if you're in the GTA. 
Yes. <laughs> um, okay, Lindsay, we will wrap with that. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I think some of the like just general lead gen and general like leadership principles that, that you shared are, are super valuable. And anybody listening is, is going to take something away from this podcast. So thank you for spending some time with me, taking time out of awesome. your day and uh, making the industry a little better. Thank you so much. Thanks, right. Have a great day. Okay, bye. bye. Alrighty, that wraps up my episode with Lindsay Liu, the Regional Sales and Operations Manager at Orange Theory, Toronto area. Really enjoyed that one. Um, I always enjoy talking to multiple people from the same franchise. And uh, if you've been listening, you know that I also had on Lars Schofield of Orange Theory, New York. Kind of interesting to hear the similarities and also the, the minor differences in how people are running their business in different territories. So... I want to just thank Lindsay, obviously, for coming on the show. I also want to thank you for continuing to listen to the Fitness Retention Podcast. We are growing and growing at a steady clip, which is usually a pretty good sign. If you would like to help your gym grow at a steady clip, one of the big things to think about is closing the back door and solidifying your retention efforts. So if that's something you're interested in learning more about, shoot me an email at A-G-Y-M-O-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. That's agemotion at gmail.com. Or find me on LinkedIn or any other way that you would normally find someone. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up another episode of the Fitness Retention Podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye.